Strap on in. The important question. You're looking for a job. Oh, what do you do? Do you speak to that recruiter? What are they going to say? You've had good experiences, bad experiences. We're going to go all into it today. All right. Here we go. Oh, dear me. Some deep introspection coming on this episode. I love it. Hello everyone, it's a Friday. You could be down the pub with your boss. I won't tell them. And we're it's just the three of us together. But unfortunately, today you're not just with one annoying recruiter, you're with another annoying recruiter, the annoying recruiter.com. You're the original oh. annoying recruiter. You're not taking that. No, you are the original one. <laughs> but together we are the annoying recruiters. Matt Kirk, how are you today, sir? Thank you for joining us. Woo. I'm brilliant, mate. I'm brilliant, mate. Now, I can't, Matt, I'm excited. It's, it's not very often, is it, mate, that two people who compete in the same thing, the same area are, are friendly enough to, and nice enough to support each other and do something right. like this, is it? Let's face it. There we go. Exactly. Compete. It's like the Roman empires, but we haven't got no sledgehammers. There's going to be no violence here today. Now, Matt, <laughs> for anyone that hasn't met you, who are you, first of all? I'm, mate, I do the same thing as you. Just that I'm small fry. I'm not. I don't work with the southern poshos yet. You're from I just, the I north. Just, I work with sound. the ruffians in Manchester okay. <laughs> and if Newcastle. Is, if this is Game of Thrones, you're up the north. Fair enough, right? That's well, right, I'm mate. Down I've never south. seen that, so I don't know the references. I've never seen it, but <sighs> you haven't seen Game of Thrones. We're missing it out. I don't know if I would have scheduled this if I know that. Although the last season. It all went downhill, I will admit. It all went Go downhill. On. However, we've got some good stuff today because I thought this would be a good episode where we would give the real deal of what happens behind the architecture recruitment scene. My goodness. So we will be shedding a light on what actually happens and whether or not you in the audience should engage with a recruiter. And if they're being a pain in the you-know-what, how do you make it work the best for you? And also, just help yourself during the job-seeking process. Now, Matt, I don't know about you, but I fell into recruitment. How did you get into it, first of all? Mate, the same as everyone. I didn't dream of it. You know, no, no little boy or girl <laughs> dreams. One day, one day I'm going to be a recruiter. I'm going to be a phone monkey. <laughs> Your phone well, monkey? Mate, I <laughs> well, mate, I started off in like what was basically a boiler room. I'm not kidding you. It was not far off a boiler room. You, and I think it's how, changed. How did you fall into oh. architecture then? Well, mate, just desperation. Desperation, my goodness. No, so I fell into recruitment through more or less desperation because 2008 and all that, it had an impact. I, I think I graduated in 2008 right. and I couldn't get any job, no job. Like, I couldn't get a job in Tesco or Asda. That, right. no, I, couldn't, I was applying, I was trying, and I did a few bits or whatever, and eventually I sent a CV off to a recruitment company, and they phoned me up, and I had to lie about that I got a 2-1 in my degree, and, and they never checked. Of course, they didn't. Uh, 
it's not it's not like the the, the arm register mate where you, where you go on and you type someone's name yep they're an architect it's not like that is it <laughs> it's no. A, no one's interested i could have said i've got a first and they would have they would have believed me but I, I went in and we had a conversation and they thought i was a bit of an off-the-wall character a bit eccentric no and, really yeah yeah and they just said oh you're perfect for architecture and i was like oh okay yep let's give that a try that was it i was an architect from that moment that is that is interesting. I think that's the first point that we should go into because actually recruitment is, in my opinion, and you can tell me if you agree, Matt, quite unregulated, right? It's just the reality of the business. you got different people from different walks of life. Now, I'm not trying yeah. to one-up you. It's not that. I, I did do architecture, no. although my drawings were quite questionable. You are trying to one-up me a bit, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just saying I, I did those five years, Matt. I Come on now, right? But my friends, what the hell are you doing as a recruiter since you did? You could be living it up on 25 grand a year as a senior architect at this point. I think it's more than that, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't joking, know about it. No, come on, it's 15, 16, I'm 70 in London, right? Yeah, it's not quite. I don't think you get that as a senior architect, I don't know. But yeah. I'm but a, I didn't want to do my part three. I didn't want to do my part three. No. So How come I, we didn't want to do it, mate? Out of interest? How come there's a couple of businesses? architecture recruitment businesses not up north but down south or in london and everything who they almost i think some of them exclusively employ architectural or ex-architectural professionals don't they that's where i went yeah oh is, it? is that where you started yeah that's where i started and until i told them i'm setting up my business a business with someone ah. else and unfortunately i had to leave <laughs> yeah and that's another thing that, that was on me though that was my decision and i i was it was all going well i was employee of the month and then i had some like, bright ideas matt of just oh it would be good to do this and yeah that was interesting few months i think you mentioned about this to me before but yes i think we've all had weird experiences in in the employment and self-employment world in recruitment well you know is, it's a weird place this is it i think though that I think that the point here is that everyone comes from different walks of life in, in recruitment. Yeah. Now, the best yeah. architectural recruitment consultant that I actually worked with and managed before, he didn't come from architecture. And no? No. And, uh, and he was good. He was amazing. Stephen Glanz, I'll, I'll say his name out loud, but he was a really good recruitment consultant. So I actually don't think you do need a degree in architecture to no. be a good recruitment consultant. What I would say, go on. I don't really even know what an architect does day to day. Really? I don't know what a technician does day to day. I don't need to know. You don't want like, to know. I, let it know. All you need, what you need is a good well, BS detector. <laughs> and I've only got a, you can work it out through people's personalities. You can work it out through how confidently they talk about things. I get the whole point of what an architect does and everything like that. If you were to sit me down and say, write down a list of the day to day things minute by minute of what an architect might be doing i don't really have a clue mate yeah. do you think most no recruitment does. Does. yeah no they don't yeah. they don't How need often? to they don't necessarily need to no mm. they just need to be able to recognize certain traits and certain abilities and skills in other people that's a separate skill in itself being able to recognize that do you know what i mean yeah and it might be useful for you to know because you've worked in that world but it doesn't seem to be a massive problem for me <laughs> i've got a pretty high hit rate i've got a pretty high at some point in my career i've almost had a for entire years at a time, a one-to-one -one ratio of CV send to interview and then a one-to-one -one ratio of C interview to placement. So it doesn't seem to have caused me a problem. So there's a person then in the audience, so say now they're looking to use a recruiter. How do you measure what a good recruitment consultant is? Because 
I'm sure that there are some, while there are some amazing recruitment consultants out there, there are some that perhaps are not as good as giving the service as others, right? What would your well, advice be? A bad one can be really damaging to someone's job, searching to someone's career in general, to be honest with you. Yeah. But me and you are different, mate, in some in one way than most other architectural or any other recruiter, because most recruiters work for a business and a lot of the time, if, the, if you're an architectural recruiter, it's not an architectural recruitment business. It's just a recruitment business that has an individual recruiting architecture in, right? And they're not being told to do a good job. That's not, I think most of the time an architect is being asked to do a good job and a, or whatever, an architectural professional, yeah. they're there to do a good job, right? A yeah. recruiter isn't there to do a good job. They're just there to produce money. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure behind them from a director from somewhere on high. Yeah. To yeah. produce money, even if that means you're putting a placement in or trying to force a placement or trying to oversell something or even lie about something. And you know it's going to fall apart this month. My figures will be an extra five grand or six or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So I think there's a huge, and I almost don't blame them. I think there's a huge amount of pressure that, you know, and the younger you are, and I think most recruiters are in the 20s when they start or teenagers when they start out. Yeah, I think it takes a long time to lose that mentality of doesn't matter what I'm doing. I just want to make a put it put two things together. And if you've got one option to make a candidate happy and there'll be a better fit for a client and it'll work out better, but you make an extra grand by not sticking them in here and putting them in here instead, you'll go with the grand. You won't mm -hmm. make you won't do. I think that's the difference between a good job and just trying to make some money. Um, yeah. And I think that's where. I think that's where we get a bad rap, mate. Recruiters in general, and especially I agree because it's so easy to get it wrong. I agree, and I think that's an important your your point you make, and let's flash that out because so for anyone in the audience that has not worked in recruitment or that you're in architecture, you're right. Behind the scenes, the bit that not yeah. much recruitment consultants talk about is how it works, and maybe yeah. maybe Matt, we can flesh that out for the audience. Typically, a recruitment consultant is not part of the architecture practice. Very rarely. Very rarely, typically they're a third party and they're briefed by the architecture practice, which is very busy. They don't have enough time to find this person or they can't find this person because they're yeah, really yeah. rare. And then they give yeah. what is what's called a brief to me yeah. or, or Matt. And they say, I need a, a science architect who's done laboratories or a BIM manager, yeah. something rare. Because our time, we charge the architectural practice to find this person and yeah. for that they have to think it, they the company has to be at the point where they're prepared to do that so typically the jobs that i will get matt and you tell me if it's similar they're usually hard to find people they're not yeah. students or entry level jobs they're usually no. you know can sometimes be a part two if the practice is super yeah. busy okay but very occasional for me very occasional. That, exactly. That, yeah. So it's yeah. somewhat strategic where we've got to go find people. And yeah. you're right. And then as a business, there's all overheads in recruitment consultants. So there's this constant thing where we have to look for those people, get those people in time, charge a fee, pay the overheads. The business keeps going. Now, the reason I fleshed this out is because once you as a candidate or someone looking for a job understand this, actually, it really helps work out if you should use a recruitment consultant in yeah. the first place because what i was going to say matt and i appreciate we've got a few comments coming in we got old jason who's saying that 
He likes, he, we're, we're doing well. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. But we've had a lovely comment from Issa who says, hi, can you help me look for a job as a part one architectural assistant? And I think this fits in with what I've been talking about here, uh, Matt. And I, I always recommend architecture students at the start to become yeah. their own recruitment consultant. Yeah, Get totally. their CV 100%. out there direct. Yeah. Apply to many yeah. places, not just one or two. Go for interviews and see. Would do you well, feel the same for graduates? That's a good advice. Yeah, I think there used to be a thing where you just want to collect the CV and put it in a database and move on. I think that is a danger. But for me, it's I can't help you at the moment. I can support you. I can give you a limited amount of time. Let's have a look at the CV. Let's spend. If you want to have a call for twenty minutes and talk about it after work or whatever, no problem. I'll give you that time because you know, you know that, that's part of doing a good job, right? That's what we're saying. That's doing a good yeah. job. That's being nice. And maybe in five years' time or ten years' time, when that person is of great value to a practice, then. Which I'm not saying they're not now, but to us, maybe the more value to us, then, you know, we've got a good relationship with them and we've helped them. So that's, you know, it's all good. It's all useful. But yeah, no, I, when I get approached by uh, a part one, you know, my response is try to try and coach them through the process of doing it themselves rather yeah. than me do anything whatsoever for them. Because bear in mind, Issa, that someone's got to pay me four grand, five grand, you know, whatever it's going to be for, for, your services and your skills and you're at such an early part in your career that you haven't built a specialism you haven't built any niches you haven't built those skills up to a point where someone's saying okay this is worth four grand five grand to me and that's nothing against you that is all nearly all in fact it will be all part one architectural assistance so that's my point of view and they pretty much agree with you exactly and i think most companies will typically hire a student direct and and you're yeah, right actually yeah. As, as being involved it just doesn't make sense so that's why it's good that you have that yeah. chat with people i try to have a lot of content on the architecture social.com so that people can do it themselves well i thought um, myself about creating a resource attached to my website somewhere yeah. to the, rather than having this very long time consuming process listen go and have a look at the resource if you've got any questions come back to Correct. me but here's a here's half an hour's worth of reading and a video or something that might help you out but no it's great that you're doing that mate we all need to do it. That's the thing, isn't it? Because yeah. that's the one thing I'd say. When I was a fresh architectural assistant, I washed up on the shores, and then you finish your degree, and then you go out there and get a job, yeah. and you don't have a blooming clue, do you? No. And and I and I'd love to know your thoughts on this as well, because I used to work alongside some students at the time that would spend ages getting that CV and portfolio for two or three practices that they love. When yeah. I think that can be good for the one or two, but then they would wait on that not get a reply or maybe they would spend that's you know, it a few spending all that quids. time to do one activity or to get that out to two or three places and you've got your heart set and then bear in mind there's 500 other people that have done the same thing and um, it's not that they're not looking at your stuff and say i think that's special probably not looking at it at all yeah i'm really i'm not saying don't do it you need to spread the net a little bit wider yeah Exactly. Early on in your career. Chances are you won't know about a company. You apply to them, you learn more. Or, or what I find sometimes is you go to an interview that you you want to work at that company and you go and you might not enjoy it as much as you thought because when yeah, you're there, yeah. you get a sense of the character. So I do think it's really worth people just being open-minded, especially at the start of their career. What's quite We're interesting is that Nicholas has said, I think that the beginning of your career, it, make, it makes sense to use recruiters. But if your experience it is better to contact 
the companies direct, but it's hard to find the right person sometimes. So I, I'll be honest, Nicholas, I don't agree with that. I think that a recruitment consultant like me or Matt, if we're very busy, we've got lots of roles on, we're not likely to help someone at the start of their career. I think that's when you should go to companies direct. However, Nicholas, you do make a good point that it's hard to find the right person at companies sometimes. And I think that goes on to where a recruitment consultant can add value because me and you, we have different pockets, Matt, of connections. You've your different companies up north, different directors. You touched upon earlier that you spoke to that part two, who's now a director and stuff. And, and equally, yeah. I've been doing this for 12 years as well and met people. And I think in there lies the truth that different recruiters have should, if they're good and the industry respects them, is that different directors use them over time. And that's where I do think we do know the right person to speak to, but I think it's disingenuous for a recruitment consultant to say they know every company. I don't know every company. Well, the ones that say they know every company don't know every company themselves. I remember, I can't remember which, well, I won't mention it anyway, but I can't remember which recruiter it was, but there was a few back in about 2014, 15, and they tend to be large businesses and they get on the phone with candidates and they'd say, what companies are you happy for me to send you to? Let's go through a list. But they'd list every single company in Manchester. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know those companies. Yeah, and I think the benefit of using a recruiter is, apply, go on, what are you going to say? No, it's just like no. A to Z, oh. like you're doing, yeah. Oh, we work with these. Yeah. We work and, with and, these. That creates a situation where if they're desperate, they'll, they'll, and someone ends up working there, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm charging you a fee because I've sent you that candidate. You haven't really. You're just specking, and they probably haven't even looked at a random CV. So I'd be wary of someone who say, it makes you a list of 10 companies. Because the reality is, if they're any good, they've got five or six clients that use them all the time for everything. And they're, you know, that company can phone them up and just say, get me a revit technician and you know every other you automatically know them right you know exactly what they're looking for and then you might have and then i've got probably a, a periphery of another 15 or 20 companies that come in and out usually whenever i think we've yeah. all got that right but if you're sitting there saying oh i can get you into any company in, in the region and i no, you what's going to happen is they're going to probably very damagingly spec out your cv to hundreds Correct. of potential di- directors without and i always say this these terms without context without any analysis, without Terrible. any, it's, they're not, you might have had a great conversation with them, probably not actually, but you might have had a great conversation with them. Do you think that most of the time they're going to use that? They're going to do you a write-up, that they're going to sell you in the right way to these people? Because if they did, it might not be quite so damaging to do it. They tend not to. It tends just to be a CV into the inbox and they're yeah. just trying to get lucky. Yeah. And if they send 5,000 emails a week, they'll get one interview out of that. And that's what they're using you for. It's. I want to flesh that out a little bit more because yeah. I think that this is one of this is. I've my done biggest... that, by the way, mate. Pardon? I've done that before. I don't do it now, but that was a long time ago. I used that. Yeah, used me, to be my me, main too, me, my business. Me, yeah. me too. It yeah. was encouraged. That be different... I'm not going to say particularly, but what I mean is, you under pressure, like you said, yeah. and yeah. or I, I would try to get someone's permission, and then you would go and yeah. this. And if they say, oh, okay, that's fine, then you would really go for it. And I think it doesn't it doesn't work for a few reasons. I want to give, I want to expand upon that. I want to explain to the audience what we're talking about. So this what's called a spec is a speculative application. Now, yeah. sometimes it's not even an application, though, mate. You're giving it too much credit. It's just a, a speculative email out of the blue. 
probably go to spam nine times out of ten. Right. So it's not an application. Application means that there's a, a, possibly even a job there in the first place. There's probably okay, no, there's, there's nothing. Know, but let's break it yeah. down. Let's break it down for the guys because okay. they don't work behind right. the scenes. Me and you do. So, oh, yeah. so what happens is potentially a recruitment consultant will say, oh, I work with all these different companies. And the truth is they might have worked out a while ago. They might have never worked with this company. No. And what the goal is to get your application, to get your permission to send it over. And then they will send it speculatively, which means that the email is not known. It's, there's no urgent role there. It's there's no relationship either. Yeah. There's no relationship. And then the chances from the back of that, that the company will then work with the recruitment consultant. So the downside of that is that your application can be sent. They don't work with the recruitment consultant. And therefore, does your application get seen? Does it get ignored? Is there a process there? And also, if you got permission, it's one thing. But what I have seen, especially before GDP, GDPR and happens a lot after, is that sometimes some recruitment consultancies, and I can think of a few that I've competed with that do this all the time, is they send CVs without your permission. They just send yeah. your application to the company on the hopes that they can get an interview. So if you ever hear some nonsense from a recruitment consultancy, oh, I I was just in a meeting with this company and we were just speaking about you and they'd love to meet you. That is bullshit, which is because the first that company has probably sent your CV wrote permission, which is highly illegal. Your information is out there. It's, it's damaging as well to, to your job search because... What happens when you so you're a director yes. of, an, of an architectural practice and you see the same CV land six times? Terrible. Through six different recruiters. Terrible. You're thinking this person's desperate. So when you speak to Stephen Drew, who's got a relationship with that company and they're giving them a spec a month later, giving you a brief a month later, and you're thinking, oh, that guy is probably great for that, right? Yeah. Or that, that decision maker is already prejudiced against that individual on the CV because we've seen it land that many times. So they're going to see it land from you and they're going to go, oh, it's that guy who's desperate and it's just Oh, and there's different salaries. And so it's yeah, which one's real and yeah. maybe different dates. So it's, and so I think the number one thing to avoid that, because first of all, I always like to give the advice of don't use too many recruitment consultants. Pick the ones that you want to yeah. work with. Have a look at them. It's basic. You should be thinking, do I want to work with this agency? Do I like they, do they resonate with me? Are they yeah. in the areas I'm looking for? And then have an honest conversation with a recruitment consultant. And now I think what can be effective is if you say, listen, I haven't approached any other recruitment consultants. I'd like to work with you for these roles, this role. Yeah. Let me know an update on that. I'll work with you for a week and then we can see where we are. If you do that and you're clear with the recruitment consultant, I think nine times out of 10, they will respect that. And then what I would say is if the recruitment consultant has been naughty and done things without your, that you've agreed on, then you shouldn't work with them again and you should pull no. them up on it. Matt, yeah, what do yeah. you think? Is that good advice? Or I think it's good advice. I think the way to spot is someone not asking too many questions and just seems in a rush to press the send button. Bang you out. Yeah, we need to go quick, that kind of stuff. They're not asking too many questions. It all seems a little bit too good to be true. That's yeah, it probably is. <laughs> not about me and you might not call people up and offer them the dream job, but 
you know, I, I was recruiting a job in Newcastle recently, spent a month nurturing this guy, but he sent his CV. By the time he got his CV together and said to me, he'd been to four or five other agencies. They'd specced him into the company that I was working with. Them, oh. Every single one of them by that morning. I, I, I wasn't desperate to get him out. I was like, okay, I've got the CV. Let's talk about this at 11 a.m. I want to make sure it's right for you. And, I, and I, you know, I didn't lose out on anything because at the end of the day, it land, that CV landed four or five times and in the same inbox. And I'm like, who's this desperate person who not being sold with context or with... And so you know, it, it, how desperate are they to get you out? That desperation speaks bloody volumes to me. I think maybe there's a lesson to learn from that. I think if you're searching for a job, having a very quick, easy list of where you've applied for and for what agencies is really useful. I do agree because yeah. sometimes I know it can be a mistake. I have genuinely spoken to candidates and gone, oh, sorry, I thought I hadn't applied to them. However, you have to keep a list because otherwise... If, as Matt says, say now Matt sends your introduction in, then I send your introduction in. Just because I send it doesn't mean that it's going to change. So just, I think that, and, and I, the way it works is that you can re-return your CV every six months through a different agency. So loosely, yeah, yeah. if you keep that in mind, I think that's really useful. So yes, it does matter. Now, I, I think on the top of my head, Matt, that's the worst practice that a recruitment consultant can do is send a CV without permission of the candidate. Are there any other red flags you mentioned earlier that when you're speaking to a recruitment consultant, if someone in the audience is speaking to them, they should be wary about? I mean, yeah, just that desperation. It's not going to help if there is. A lot of recruiters are extremely early in the career and don't last very long. And we were all that we, me and you have been there, mate. I and mean, we, me and you have both admitted to doing that practice that we're saying that we should sort of the practice that we're saying that we shouldn't do at a the start, start you think that's that way, the way right? don't you you think that's what the industry is and then you if start you're, learning if you're, yeah and if you're talking to a recruiter who's the first six months into their, into their career then do not expect that person of course do not expect that person to have a load of quality relationships and to understand anything about the industry or anything about you or to be able to advise you another way let's make and i can imagine you can offer a lot of advice if someone maybe yeah, and maybe not give just give good news like, well, no, 55,000 might be a bit too much for, for a two-year post-qualified architectural technician. In What's the quality of the advice that you're getting? Are you getting any advice whatsoever? Are you getting any coaching advice? What is you? Come on, most people can tell the quality of yeah. the service that they're being provided. If, yeah. if they were really hand on heart, they could tell. Yeah. And I think sometimes a good recruitment consultant is being honest with the situation as well. And... Sometimes I do think that I find myself saying, actually, that level of salary that you're looking for is probably unachievable at certain companies. And that's yeah. not me saying offense. I know that the person's very good. However, there are some realistic stuff that happens yeah. behind the scenes. And the other one, which I think is unfortunate but true, is that especially we talked about junior to mid-career you're going to need to learn Revit. <laughs> yeah, I get bored yeah. of saying it. I don't mean that because I'm sponsored by Autodesk, although Autodesk, you can pay me money and I will take it, but I'm not. <laughs> it's because most of the companies use that. And I would love to have microstation roles for people, but I think at the moment I have one and yeah, that's it. And that's it. And I so again, it works once in the last six months, but that was it. 
exactly. And so, again, that's one of the things I would say is that the truth is, if you don't know Revit, I know it's Catch-22, you want to learn it in the office, but actually doing stuff like that will help your odds. And your recruitment consultant, generally, the other thing I wanted to say is that they're typically looking at a CV for 10, 20 seconds, if that. Three, five, ten seconds, get an impression. And if it's good, you spend a little bit more time on it. However, if it doesn't tick the things on the job, gone. Same with a same with a decision maker in a company though, mate. Mm. Same with an art that, that director Correct. that you're sending it to. Correct. Ten seconds. They're busy. When I'm spending time with someone with the CV, which is another, do they understand whether your CV is good or bad is another good. Yes. But when I'm spending time with someone on the CV, I'm trying to get them into the mind of that person who's looking for them. What do they want to see? And I'm sorry, you need to almost treat them like a child because they're not, and not because they are like a child, but because they're going to have the attention span of a child around your yeah, CV. So if you're not hitting those, and then some of it, you know, a small part of it's keywords, a bigger part of it is, it does the start of your profile and your CV read a confident team player or creative architect with is that's kind of a filler these are things that they're going to assume you being an architect you're quite a creative person or everyone's who's not a team player who's going to admit to not being a team player it doesn't mean anything get that killer information into there something that's more important that is gonna get their attention straight away don't fill it with filler with rubbish basically i agree it's i like to compare it to tinder if you've been dating, you swipe to the left, swipe to the right. It really is that quick. Uh, okay. Met my missus on Tinder. Yeah, my partner too. So I agree. Tinder nice. for the win. <laughs> I, I must have made past the two seconds. Goodness know how. While we were talking, we've had a flurry of stuff coming in. And I think we okay. can answer some questions. Oh, a lot so of people watching it. There must be. Mr. or Mrs. Okay. Anonymous says, are you admitting that you're both old timers, Matt? I'm an old timer, unfortunately. Long how old are you, Stephen? I'm 36. Oh, I'm 37. Just 37. All right. And I've been doing this. I look older, though. I don't know. Maybe I've got a northern (laughs) northern lifestyle. Uh, Yeah. I was in Manchester for two years. I loved it. I loved it. Not as good as Liverpool. Never went when I was there. I've been there now. I love both cities equally. I love the Beatles, but that's so patronizing. There's more to Liverpool than that. Come on. Is there? (laughs) There's two football clubs. Great ones. The best two football right. clubs. One of them's I'll, the best. One of them's a bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that there for now because we've got too much stuff happening in the comments. There's another question okay. that came in, which would be a very interesting one, saying, I'm a chartered architect in India with 3.7 years of experience, but no UK experience. That is a good bit we can talk about. Can you tell me how a recruiter perceives this behind the scene as I get calls from a recruiter but gets a radio silence afterwards? Thank you, Shivan, for that. I will be honest. Mo- 99.9% of the roles that I get from architectural practices require UK experience, unfortunately, which then means that if you're in the UK, if you're trying to get a job in the UK, it can be very difficult. It's not impossible, but if you are remote, an architectural practice is not going to entertain that. They are going to look for people that are there present have the right to work as a starting point and then go from there i've in the last 10 years i've had one very talented lady who was currently based in india 
And she got the job because she knew Rebbe and she had 10 years of hotel experience on international complexes. And there was no one two years ago after the pandemic in the UK or very little with that skill set. So she got sponsored. And that is the one time that I've managed to do that in 12 years. Bear in mind, it's, it's, that, it's that thing again with, with, with the junior people. Shivam, you know, the... The problem is that there'll be a perception that you don't understand UK building regs, which are very different to where they are yeah. from the rest of the world. And you obviously need to get that experience. But there will be people here that are willing to give you it. But again, are they going to pay me or Stephen four, five, six, seven thousand pounds to do that? When, Correct. You know, no. The, 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 there's a massive influx of people. You're from India, right? There's a massive. There is. There's a lot of people that apply to jobs from India, left and centre, and they want the same thing as you. But so they're not going to pay us for it. Right. The way you do that is to make yourself as attractive. I don't know. You speak to Steve and speak to me at the end of this. Make yourself as attractive as possible and do it yourself. Don't use a recruiter to do it because, yeah. again, you just, you've got absolutely zero chance. Yeah. How many placements you've made in the last 10 years, Stephen? 500, like one in 500. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I've done one as well in the last 12 years. One. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the key thing. What I would say on that, so this expand on that, how I would begin to do it is immediately I would move to the area where you want to get a job. And actually, the mo statistically, yes, the most jobs 100%. in the UK are yeah. London. And that's yeah. not even me saying London's, forget that. It's just more architectural oh, practices. More practices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you move to London or you get an address on that, uh, on that CV, you get a UK yeah, phone right. number. And basically, right. you say you're in town, you go for interviews, and I like to bring the objections to the front. So, for example, if you do have a graduate visa for two years, I like to say that straight away. I do not need sponsorship for two years. Totally I'm currently right. in the UK. I'm ready to work. I can interview in person. Because you're basically removing these objections straight away, and it gets your chance. And once you're in, I always think of it like a nightclub. Once you're in. And you've got that experience and you never have yeah. that world oh, of yeah. pain again. No. But unfortunately, it's going to be like being smacked in the face so long. And it can take some people one month. It could take some people 11 months, one year. It can take a long time. But actually, just getting all that stuff, I think, makes a big difference. And also, I normally try to, again, all the resources online on the architecturesocial.com on your website, which is the annoying recruiter com and the annoyingcandidate.com. Right. So no, the annoyedcandidate.com. The annoyed. The annoyedcandidate.com. The annoyed candidate. Right. Got two yeah. websites, right? <laughs> got two. But yeah. I think you get all that information and you should really also think, especially I think if you're your first job in the UK, because different there's different styles of CVs from America, India, Europe, UK. Yeah. It's just it, there is, it's just a look. And I do think that it's really worth actually spending a bit of time and get a CV. Like, for example, any I used to see CVs 10 years ago, which would have the Euro certificate on them. And yeah, architects, yeah. it ain't going to work. you got to get rid of that. But there was like a yeah, template. You are right about that. There, there was a yeah. template yeah, yeah, for resumes was. for the for yeah. EU citizens. Do you know where I'm they got like, that from? Because someone once told me where they got it from, and it was from an official exactly. source of some description. So, I don't know where, but... But it doesn't Mad. work in our industry. And you have to look at like, yeah. what is a good architecture industry. And the one I always like to look at the architectural practices and look at their websites, look at their graphic design and think, are they going to have this document? Ultimately, that's it's got, it's got to fit in. 
Do you, have you got any thoughts on that before we take a few more questions from the audience? Nailed it, mate. Nailed it. All right. So, sorry, I got. I know it's just. It's, I think it's important. Then. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think people get stuck and they don't know what's going on, and I think it's better just. Good, to mate. Say I felt it. mesmerized. It was good. Enjoyed it. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um, Shivam says he's currently in the UK. Part two qualified from Cliff and now experience massive projects. That is amazing. So if you take those projects to, and looked at what we talked about earlier, I think Shivam that will probably help you with your search. But I one last thing I'd say on the well, subject. Clyde might not be the easiest place to do that. And there's not as much of a shortage. There's more of a shortage in London. And so bear in mind when you need a visa, there has to be a shortage in order for them to get the sponsorship. To get places, oh, okay. don't really buy places. Uh, annoyingly, Shivam, you might not be in the right geographical location to make that easy on yourself. You might have to go to London. You might have to. That's all right. Just come on down. Just come on down and, and make sure yeah, you're ready. going the opposite way. Everything's going the opposite way. I'm getting Southerners moving, selling the five million quid houses that they bought for 90 grand in 1997 and uh, moving to Yorkshire or somewhere and living it oh, up. Oh, yeah. My, <laughs> my flat 10 years ago in Lewisham was half the price it is now if i if you took the money out and then you move to the countryside you'd be quids in oh. however another flat in london is just another flat in london so it's yeah, weird yeah, yeah. it's it is weird so we got a few more come in matt all these questions are hot in demand ralph says even when you have specialist skills and experience it's still difficult to rise yeah. to the attention of recruiters what's the best way to get in touch for a conversation Matt, what do you think is the best way to get in touch and make an impact? I like it when people phone me and I don't know them, but I like to also see what's in front of me. So I need a CV or something like that. And I'm, I'm guessing, Ralph, you probably are sending CVs and not getting the responses that you want. I would look at the CV and see what's going on with the CV. And, and I wouldn't suggest contacting a CV professional who writes CVs. I suggest con contacting the best recruiter you can find and telling them about your experience and asking them can you help me yeah. can you help me make that this maybe goes back to that killer and filler stuff let me guess the start of your cv tells tells the world that you're a team player or you're a creative person or whatever it is when there should be some good quality hard-hitting technical information in there which is going to really go oh okay oh i need that I need that healthcare guy with Revit experience who does stage four of a project really well. You know, I'm very much generalizing. I don't know, I'm just saying I'm being specific, but you, you can tailor it to each job. You can tailor it to each person you're sending it to if you need to, if you're really struggling with it. But get start thinking differently about the CV. I think the problem probably, Ralph, is your CV, right? If people, if, you get, if you're struggling to get a conversation or to get in the door, to get a conversation with a recruiter, Send them a CV, look, work on the CV first, send them a CV, and they'll phone you, believe me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's an interesting one because sometimes I do think that people wonder why there's not an update. And I think that's partly down to a recruitment consultant not being honest. I like to be honest and say, I haven't yet an update from the client, or you're not suitable. Or sometimes it's time. I've got, I think I've got ADHD. Time. I struggle with organization and time like crazy. I'm on it most of the time. But yeah, I know there's someone I should have called you. I said that I didn't, and I was, on, I was focused on something or whatever it is. But yeah, most of the time, if it's initial conversation, first conversation, then... Yeah, you are going to struggle for attention. I think I agree with you. But where what I was also going to say is, though, the sad truth is, though, if you're checking in for updates and there's still no updates, if you you're on sending that email for the third time, yeah, it's yeah. a dead end. That's rough. 
that's yeah it's a and i get it but that's what it's sometimes i speak yeah. to a lovely person i haven't heard mm-hmm. from the client and i'm like i don't think it's going anywhere because sometimes architecture practices and again like you were saying you're busy and stuff it's never it's i don't always get feedback when i send over candidates not always and therefore sometimes silence is an answer in itself is that a bit harsh but true to say well, one, we have had one or two clients in the past who say, we don't hear back, we don't like them. Then I've had clients who don't come back and they've just missed it. <laughs> it's yeah. really annoying. I, I do get it. I like, is Jeff still available? And you're like, Jeff's gone months ago. Are you digging through the inbox or something? What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Again, and maybe that's the thing that we have to remember. It's a human process and there's no one yeah. way. There's no like a no. rule or a system we're doing with people. I'm a person, you're a person, the client's different. Yeah. And therefore there's no one way. There's just certain things that I think happen. And I like to shine a light on that. But totally. Yeah. We've got more mean. we've got more things. Have you got a little bit more time, Matt, before we go? Yeah. I'm here as long as you want, mate. Oh, legend. Look at this. Lazy. What a trooper. Lazy recruiter. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you are hard working. I want to have you say that about yourself. <laughs> Nicholas says a few things. And one I like this. How do you know if a recruiter actually has a relationship with the company? I have a few thoughts on this. But first of all, Matt, what are your thoughts? How do, If you were the candidate, how would you start trying to work out? Why don't you ask them out? some difficult questions? Yes. Even what's the pension, Mike? And if they hesitate, they don't fully know what the pay, whether the pension statutory or not, or what are the holidays. Um, and they might just be disorganized like me and not, not know. Um, or, or they might be talking out the backside because, you know, m- most of my really good, all of my really good clients, I can list every reason why you would want to work there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be working with them. They wouldn't be one of my best clients. So are you not, look at the engagement that you're getting, look at what you're getting back. Are you, are they able to do that? Are they able to, are your basic facts about why you might want to work at a place or yeah. is it does it feel very transactional and that might be a bit of a clue i think i think so you're right i do there is sometimes i would say though i don't always have a job spec and that's when that i think some people think oh there's no job spec it's not real i usually I mean, don't i make notes i take a brief yeah i don't have a, it, yeah. it, exactly so yeah. that one i think it's neither here nor there, but you are right. Really, I think if a recruitment consultant is engaged with the company, they can tell you 10 to 15 things about the company and yeah. they can at least say who they're working with. How then, long do they describe the company for? Is it 10 seconds or is it five, 10 minutes? My poor candidate sitting there listening to me evangelizing about a couple, a handful of companies <laughs> for half an hour at a time. I know that business. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's it, isn't it? And it is yeah. a little bit on you, the job seeker, to question the recruitment consultant i have had it one other way though once before a few months ago i did have someone who was incredibly suspicious on all this stuff and then at the end by the end i was like do you know what if you don't trust me it's cool don't worry i'm online you steven i don't believe that yeah i would it happens so i think check-in makes sense as the person gonna always have the job spec no should they know the company yes should they be able to tell you what projects are going on where they are, yeah. how many people are there, what's the office like? Yeah. 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 A little bit of the history, the business, if you, if you need to know it, because you pick, you pick that stuff up very easily as a recruiter. I agree. Good question. I, it was a good one. Now, we are getting to the ends of the questions. 
Shivam says, thank you for the insight. Thank you. Yep. I'd love to keep in touch. Mohammed has one question. Let's see. This is a big one, so i got to read it. I'm living in Leicester, the UK, and I have a master in BIM from Oxford Brooks. Amazing. Good for you. Having two years as graduate visa, I'm looking for an entry role in BIM technician. As I don't have any experience in the UK, what is your advice for me? I'm open to relocate as well. So it's a little bit about what we talked about before, really, isn't that? So I think it's like, make sure you're president in the UK. I would be messaging architecture practices, multidisciplinary companies, because BIM is quite transferable. Engineering companies, and just getting your CV out there as much as possible and spreading your bets. And then I always believe you can be picky when you've got interviews and offers. Until then, be open-minded. What do you think, Matt? The master's in BIM management is great, isn't it? BIM management, yeah. because you can go to the consultants. You can don't, you don't have to stay. You can go into a more digital yes. space, not just the built environment space with that. So make the options are really open to you. I think the only thing I'd add, mate, is when I've had people with student visas in the past, people are looking whether they've got a year left or two years left. People are looking at thinking what's going to happen in that two years, because especially when they're using someone like us and they're spending money on it, they want a long-term investment. So people tend to look at three to five years. That's what they want out of someone, three to five years, possibly even more than that. So it might be a good idea to get some experience doing some contract jobs. If you can get a good one or two contracts, as in non-permanent jobs for the next couple of years, then you might look quite valuable or much more valuable by the time it's time to get your proper visa. Or you might be with a company that already values you and they can they will then, it's very easy to get sponsorship at that point. So yeah. I'd keep your options open to contract jobs if you're struggling for perm jobs. I think that, that might be quite important for you. That's a really good piece of advice. I didn't think about yeah. contract roles. That's a... I've seen that as well because contract roles compared to permanent roles, contract typically means that you're working there temporarily paid per week. And there's typically less scrutiny when you get in the job. It's okay. Yeah. Can you fix this problem a bit? Usually if you're yeah. a rabbit like Ghana at the moment, yeah. you can contract somewhere and, and actually you're right, Matt, because then you get your experience and then your next, you could do it for two months and then get a permit. You're not a graduate anymore. You're not a graduate anymore. You're yeah. not facing the same issues that other graduates have got. You're already here. It's, really it should be point. fairly straightforward. Yeah. I think you're right. Think, take either or. We have got here as well, Jason saying that you should go for engineering companies. So message Jason after this with your CV, Mohammed. And then, you, and then you'll be working. Everyone message Jason with the CVs at the end of this. Yes. <laughs> You're going to come to the nuclear. Get the south field. Make good money out here. But, uh, Not excellent. bad, mate. Not bad. Yeah. I, I find it interesting. So Zen says, thank you for the insight. I'm more clear now with recruiters role. It's a very tough job for sure. It is. Don't feel sorry for me. I know Zen, someone who struggled a little bit. I know he's been mess probably messy. I know he's messaged me. I think he's messaged you, mate. He's got a few issues with visa. So hopefully this will help, mate. Cool thing. Yeah. It is difficult. It is difficult. I do think that there is a list of companies in London which are big enough to sponsor visa ships. I do think a graduate visa for two years, most companies forget about it. They're like, oh, cool, just yeah, come in. Just come on in. And so if you do have that graduate visa, put it at the front because you're you're removing that objection. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes I see some grad, some people have visas, not mention it to the end of the process when an offer comes in. And actually what happens is, that person just wastes their own time. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. So the come so actually just mention it at the start and then you get all the actions other way. That goes with any anything like that though. Anything that might cause a slight problem or delay. If you've got any experience or you've got some things in your background that you think someone might not like, if you say it up front immediately in a process, 
and they carry on with that process, that those are things are no longer objections. <laughs> They're seeing you despite those problems. Yeah. So uh, definitely bring things like that up immediately. And it might, if you put someone off, great, you're saving your own time. But it also comes across as, as honesty, doesn't it? And it can be quite a positive thing for you to be, to put, do it, say it in the right way. It can be a positive thing that you're being honest. I think so. I think that's yeah. um, really good advice. Now, for yeah. anyone in the audience, Jason, you're getting the CBs. It's too late. It's a pain. You participate. Pain. You're getting the CBs. Now, for anyone in the audience, if you have any quick last questions for me or Matt, fire them in there. However, until we see if one or two come in or not, I've told Matt to give me one or two zingers online of questions coming my way. So this will be a test of our friendship, professional relationship. Come on, Matt, what have you got for me? I've got some more. I've got, I've got some tougher ones, but I want to start with, I just want to ask you what's the... We're talking about, you know, the dodgy start of our careers. What's the worst thing you've done? The worst, bit too. the worst thing I could have. Setting up my own business was very tricky. And, yeah. and leaving a recruitment company to do that was very tough. I did get told on the way out that if I do anything, I will get a legal letter. So that was the toughest. The stuff I look back on is definitely at the start. Be yeah, it, by the way. And not in that company, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, but not in that company, but I have been, especially maybe when on my first company, so the one year ago, the pressure, the temptation to go, I'm going to go out of business if we don't yeah. do something. What do I do? Do I, and then it's like convincing people to go for jobs you're not sure that they're yeah, right yeah. from. And I didn't like yeah. that. And I was in a very tricky situation. And that really was a bit of a moral dilemma. And now... I'm a bit more relaxed. For example, a lady yesterday who I spoke to turned down a job. For me, it's non-emotional. I get, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Let's keep in touch for the future. But when I started, my, someone turned down a job. Yeah. You were like, oh, what have I done wrong? Or oh, I was like, convinced people to change their mind. Yeah. And ultimately, got it impacts you financially as well, doesn't it? What would happen is I realized if I convinced people to go for jobs that weren't really the right fit for them, there was a massive dropout rate because yeah. they would realize that going to the company is not as what I said or whatever. So I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. My other regret, though, is seeing people in even in my business years ago. So not the architecture social. I used to own a company called Shape Careers. And I probably now my views are like we don't do that. We get everyone's permission. We we I'm a big believer in convincing people to go for interviews. I will could say to someone you should never turn down an interview i'm a bit more relaxed when they they make their decision now but years ago i i i should have told people not to to, to stay on that line and i just yeah, yeah. kept to myself i'd let people yeah. hear all the horror stories loads of specs out and i just stayed out of it when i should have been like this is if anyone out there ever meets a recruiter who tells them not to go for something is probably a good recruiter yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Even though they could make money off it right now, but it's in your best interest not to do it. Let me ask you something else, mate. Yeah. If you could go back, would you do the architecture? No. Two questions in one. Would you go back, would you do the architecture course? Number two, if you had a son or a daughter, would you be encouraging them to do architecture right now? Okay, number one, I love doing the course. Yeah. However, it's helped me set up my business. It helps me look at things. And look, I've got a Interesting. certain perspective. Interesting. Yeah. So I love the course. And I don't mind my time there, but if I continued in architecture, it just won't write for me. It just won't no. write for me. No. And in 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 what I call recruitment, I think of it as the hardest. I jokingly say it's the hardest 
not real job in the world. Because in one way, it's harder than architecture, which I consider a proper job. But (laughs) (laughs) this is a job and any recruiter, sorry, it's a joke. Come on, just get with me. But this is harder and I enjoy it. And I don't think I'd be as good as I would if I didn't do the architecture degree. But again, for example, I don't stack up the cash as some other recruiters do, and they don't work in it. So it's all different. I was pointing me. I'm not stacking up the cash. (laughs) Yeah, but me and you both. I'm trying to do a good job, not just make money. Exactly. But what I mean is, though, I don't, we choked at the start, I don't think you need to come from architecture. I do think, though, that a good recruiter immerses themselves in the industry. And it is the test of of time. Because it is tempting to go and do a banking recruitment and then twice as much, but I like the industry. Oh yeah, of course. It'd be very easy. Yeah, you're right. It'd be very easy to find a better pay profession where the percentages are higher and all that kind of thing. It'd be very straightforward to do that. But we're here for a a reason, aren't we? I don't quite know what it is sometimes, but yeah, no, I'd love it, mate. I've left it for a very brief period of time and then come back to it. I loved it. That's just a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I came back to it. I like dealing with architects. I like my clients. Yeah. I like a lot of the personalities. It is challenging. It is difficult to find certain skill sets and to deal with certain people. And it can be heartbreaking telling people no sometimes. But one of the good things about it is they're a professional bunch, aren't they? They do turn up to their interviews. They don't. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're on a, there's a level of professionalism that, that they don't, that tends not to get dipped under. And there's a level yeah. of personality that tends to, you can't really be someone without a personality and be an architect. I'm not, don't, I've not met many architects or techs that don't have much, but they're all quite interesting to speak to. They're all quite nice. So yes, I, I wouldn't change it now. I'm, I'm stuck here for the next kind of the 15 years. Me too. We're <laughs> stuck. It could be worse places to get stuck. And, and I agree with you. I do. I do. And also I do think the industry's in an interesting period. So architecture actually yeah. has got a lot of change. You touched I upon kids in the future doing architecture yeah yeah i have mixed feelings i do think i am very sympathetic for students at the moment because the amount of debt that you accrue for the salaries i think is this how much would it be mate i'm not someone was trying to work it out on one of my posts the other day and i didn't i was busy so i didn't take it up how much would it be now roughly 70 to 90 grand if you think about it's five years hardcore in uni forget the apprentice scheme which they're doing because i think that's the answer to it but so right now as it stands it's five years in uni and you've got a one year in between and you're yearning for that but then it's also two years out so those five years are nine grand okay so that's nine fives 45 but if anyone's yeah, yeah. been in uni, you've got to feed yourself. You've got student dorms. All the prices are going up. It's a full-on so that... course as well, isn't it? It's not one of them where you're doing eight hours a week or four hours a week or whatever. So you can't go and work full-time. You've got to buy, size, yeah, you? you've <laughs> got printing materials, all this stuff. So it's about 70 to 90 grand. And then you, if you're in London, you as a part one, you get about 24 grand if you're lucky, maybe 22. Well, it keeps going up because the interest will be getting added onto that. That's they're not you're not reducing the debt at that point. By the time you're earning like fifty thousand, bear in mind they're charging nine percent for everything over fifty thousand pounds that you well, earn. It's yeah. just a lifetime tax. It's still not going to go anywhere. But that I've been in a position where I was paying my student loan at three hundred pounds a month, and that a real thorn in your side. It's a real problem. I know, you know? exactly. And also in that year out we talked about, if you're on twenty two, twenty three grand, that's hard to live in London. You ain't having a you ain't having a good time. Yeah. You're yeah. like you're in some box room. Do it, doing yeah. stuff. But then again, I think you've really got to have the bug for it, okay? Because like me, 
you said, why didn't I do it? I just didn't have the appetite to do my part three. No. Just wasn't there. No. It just it wasn't no. in my vocabulary. But yeah, if yeah. you want to design a building, do schools and hospitals, change lives, I get it. It is a great job, mm. and you can actually make a difference to the urban fabric. However, yeah. you've got to really want it. So that's what I'd say to my kids. I'd be like, "This is bloody hard. You ain't getting a lot of money. Are you sure you want to do it?" And that's what I would say. That's the honest version. If you got another, any more zingers, or was that all zinged out? I think we've zinged ourselves out, haven't we, a little bit? <laughs> We're zinging out. It's at the it's at the one hour mark. We've got a few we nice things. Mark, yeah. We got yeah. one last quick question from Nicholas who says, "Should I stay in my discipline as a structural technician, or should I change discipline in order to have more job offers?" I don't think you should jump uh, to a different discipline. Maybe work in a multidisciplinary company where you get to see different things, Nicholas. But don't worry, we all get a little bit worn down in the job search. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very normal. But you know, remember you did it for a reason and you have a lot of cool yeah. skills. Just maybe change the job search in some shape or form. And on that note, I'm going to tell you where you can find Matt, all of his good stuff, and we'll, I'll mention the architecture social as well. But Matt, if people want to get in touch with you, if for whatever reason they've actually warmed up to us and they haven't turned us off by this, well, how does someone get in touch with you? So my main website is theannoyingrecruiter.com. That's right. I've got another website, which is a little bit naughty, called The Annoyed. Oh, I zoomed in on me by accident. Forgive me. It's, of course it's you Friday. did. I didn't mean to. It's all about me, is it? I feel embarrassed. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, there you go. That's my main website. A little bit about me, a little bit about jobs. That's about it, how to get in touch. And then I've got theannoyedcandidate.com, which is a little, oh yeah, there we go. I love it. This website, very naughty mug. I need to get one. A little yeah. bit off the wall. Yeah, I love it. A bit quirky. If you want, if the theme of this episode, what I enjoy and I think is really important about what Matt does is he's very honest about the recruitment process with a cheeky wink. I love the annoying recruiter. There you Thank go. You, That's mate. the statement. Thank you, mate. You can put Appreciate that as a quote on your website. And I think that the annoyed candidate is a great resource. Everything on the Architects of Social podcast is not sponsored. Me and Matt met genuinely behind the scenes in a WhatsApp group from the Broke Architects podcast. Thanks, I, Jason. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. You take all the credit. You'll don't take encourage the, him. Bless him. <laughs> do love Jason. But Matt, I love what you do. And I think we need more Thanks, recruitment mate. consultants in the space who are genuine. If you are looking for a role, of course, you can speak to me, especially if you're up north. I do think you should get in touch with Matt as well. And you can work both of us and we won't get upset about it because we I'm work in different okay. companies. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it, and even if there was one in between, I'd be like this. Let the best gentleman win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's all good. Yeah. So. Thank I'll you. Be right for on the being phone to my Matt. client. Yeah, I really appreciate you being here. And Thanks, now mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And on that note, I'm going to end the live stream in a second. Matt, stay on the stage. But for you in the audience, if you thought this interest, if this episode was interesting, I'd love to know because it's a little bit on the nose for me. But if you like brutally honest content like this, we can do more of it. We can get Matt back. I'll, I'll convince him. Don't worry, we'll get him. But <laughs> let me know if you like this kind of stuff. You know, if it's too much and you want to talk about other stuff, let me know in the comments. Have a good Friday and speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye now, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.